You're listening to Clock Radio Speakers with Armand and Doc. This week's episode is split into two sides. This is Side A. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a very special episode of Clock Radio Speakers. I'm your host, Armand. You can follow me on Twitter at A-R-M-O-N-D, wake up, all one word. That word actually says Armand, wake up. I completely skipped over that. And uh, I have my Cody. <laughs> right. I got the I got the um, I got the black fat Joe with me. You know what I'm saying? State your name. State your name, gangster. Tugboats. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. Um, I'm the opposite. What is the I, I look I remember, nothing like a black fat Joe. Anyway, it was uh, remember because because uh, fat Joe was the uh, Puerto Rican K-Slay, but, but they don't know. <laughs> Got me off my game. What's going on, everybody? Uh, this is Doc. You can follow me on Twitter at Doc underscore Beats. That's not a Z. Yep. This is a very special episode of Clock Radio Speakers. Um, I feel like we've got a whole new audience. Uh, we're now partnering with Fourth District. Yep. Um, shout out to Dan and Adon and the whole crew over there. Yep. Um, so for those of you who are tuning in who haven't heard much of Clock Radio Speakers before, uh-huh. Armand, where, where can they go to find out more about Clock Radio Speakers? Well, basically, you can go to clockradiospeakers.com. That, was, that is powered by the good folks at Tumblr. That has our SoundCloud. That is soundcloud.com slash clockradiospeakers. Our Facebook, which is facebook.com slash clockradiospeakers. Our Twitter, which is at CRS Podcast. We do not have a LinkedIn. We do not have a Black Planet or Mijente. Um, we do not have a Tinder. We don't have any of that stuff. Um, did I get everything? Um, I got. Facebook. We do have a new link on our website. We also have. Uh, it's also there's an ad for it right now on fourthdistrict.com. Yeah, and that would be our our brand new. T- well, bringing them back again for 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 the second time. Back for the second time. But um, Luda. we have t-shirts available. Burp, 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 burp. <laughs> t-shirts. Wait, wait, they didn't back. give you. They didn't. They didn't give you real reggae horns. Nah, they banned me. <laughs> Yo, after I caught mad backlash for all of those uh those bombs I dropped last time I was here. So yeah, they was Man, like nah. I was really hoping to be able to be like Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> like you're killing me, man. Um I'm sorry. anyway, I'm sorry. If you go to clockreadyspeakers.com at the very top, there's a link that just says t-shirt. It takes you to uh our Teespring website. Basically the way Teespring works. They're not going to print the shirts and they're not going to charge your credit card until there's a certain minimum number of people to buy shirts. So please go check it out. We didn't skimp at all. These are this is the clock radio speakers logo. It looks real nice. It's on. Shout out to Ian. Actual, what up, Ian? Thank you, Ian. Uh, it's on uh, American Apparel T-shirts. So it's it's going to look good. It's going to feel good. Um, it's twenty dollars for a T-shirt. You sound like whole, James Brown when he did that. Um, look that good, other feel good. <laughs> Make love good. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. I, I completely messed up the pitch. I'm sorry. We trying. We trying to make some money good. for the show. It's all good. This is why. This is why people tune in for the chaos. <laughs> yes. Um. Are. Anyway, t-shirts available on the site. Everything that we get back for. Believe me, we're not exactly. Uh, we're not exactly sleeping on on mattresses made of money over here. Clack Radio Speakers World Headquarters. Uh, everything <laughs> we get from these t-shirts just goes back in to make the show better. Better mics. Better equipment. It's yep. all for y'all. So yep. if you like this, if you like the podcast. Um, if you've been a listener for even a little while or a long while or anything in between, visit clackwardyspeakers.com, click the link that says T-shirt at the top, or visit fourthdistrict.com. There's an ad right there on the page. It takes you right there. Also, let's not do remember, you know, these shirts aren't, go- aren't going to be available forever. These are for the springtime. These are limited time only. Never mind that. You have 18 days. 
Look at that. If you don't buy one in the next 18 days, that's it. It's over. They're not coming back. Dun, dun, dun. So I suggest, so you, I suggest you cop one. I'm a cop one. Well, I, would, I, would, I, would, I didn't think I had to ask you, but yeah, I'm, co- I'm just I'm just putting it out there. Like I'm a I'm a cop one. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Okay. So yeah. Um, is there anything else we need to get out the way? Do we get oh, um, yo, if you want to join in the conversation, if Doc says something so asinine that you just you were just wait, fuming wait, wait, out, wait. Yeah, what? What? Don't, 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 don't do that. <laughs> Lead the people on. That's a leading question. Oh, stop. You're the controversial one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it like, I'm saying it like we're like a, uh, like a boy band or something. Like you're the controversial right. <laughs> one. Um, so yeah, if you want to join in on this conversation, if you have any sort of input that you want to put, that you want to contribute to this episode, use the hashtag CRS live, C-R-S-L-I-V-E. We will periodically check that, um, as the show progresses. Um, and also thank you guys for, um, for, uh, being with us, uh, Earlier today, as we took over 4th District's Twitter, we got some really, really, really good feedback about Kendrick's album, um, a, a perspective or two that I didn't uh, even look into um, that I will actually talk about later on in the show. Um, mm. So, yeah, thank you guys for that. I think that's everything, right? I think so. So I, I realized we, we've been so excited about this live episode, yeah. partnering with 4th and everything we're doing. Yeah. We haven't even told people why we're doing a special live episode. No, we haven't actually. You're right. <laughs> why are we doing a special so, live episode? Well, Armand, why are we here today? Well, it just so happens that your man, my man, Kendrick Duckworth, Kendrick Lamar Duckworth put out an album uh, this past Sunday. Um, yes, he did. And it is called To Pimp a Butterfly. And mm-hmm. um, I think that given Kendrick's track record, especially um, with Good Kid Mad City, which you and I. We did an episode a few weeks back, or oh, not a few weeks back. We did it when it first came <laughs> out. I think it's right. like episode 71, I think, or something like that. Um, we crowned it immediately as the first classic of this generation, correct? This this sort of like block of hip hop, right? You and I both had really great things to say about it. I think we use different terminology. I believe I went so far as to say it was the best debut album since Illmatic. You did say that. I remember that. I People thought I was crazy. And what happened? I was right. <laughs> Clockstradamus. Nasty nah, nah. Nas the Esco it, to Escobar. Now he is Clockstradamus. We're, oh, God, <laughs> we're losing so many casual fans with every passing moment. It's going to be you and I talking to a microphone in two hours. That's it. Um, That's funny. So, yeah. I'm going to talk about, we got to talk about Good Kid Mad City at some point tonight. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. It, the, the, what that album did, um, and the differences between the two albums, I think, are are, are absolutely worth a conversation. So yep. we're here to talk about the Pimple Butterfly. Um, it is it's the second we'll call it the second major label album from Kendrick. But there's Section Eighty, and yep. there's do you count OD? Um, yes. So he's at least three, maybe four. Call them major projects in his discussion. This is his fourth project. I don't. I don't count. Some people count the Kendrick Lamar EP. I don't count that because I've never heard. So you know, his second major label album, but his third or fourth major project. So yeah. Kendrick's not new to this anymore. He's not new to this. He's true to this. <laughs> true to the game. True to the TRU. Game. TRU. Bada bada. Um, so where do you want to start with this? Man, there, I I think there's there's just so much. I think um. Do we need to kind of talk about the lead in? That's what I had in mind. So I'll, I want to talk about kind of what Kendrick's 
been up to at least somewhat recently. Yeah. So I mean, should we should we start recently or should we start from since uh, Good Kid, Mad City? Because you and I had a really good conversation about him and Macklemore. We said that they were in the same boat where they had amassed so much success, whether that be critical or uh, or musical, and they had a myriad of ways to go in order to expound on their success. And their next move was very critical to the future of their career. Sure. It's the, you know, uh, you can argue that no one has, no one has been in this posi- the same position as Kendrick Lamar, maybe since Nas with it was written. Um, I, w- I combin- would say, I would say DMX. Okay. I would say so DMX. first of all, I appreciate the alley because everybody can go here when we talked about DMX's first and second album on <laughs> Clock Radio Speakers. We did a three-part Rough Rider retrospective. It is insightful. It is hilarious. Please go listen. Yes. Um, DMX's first album was nowhere near as good as Good Kid Mad City. No, 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 no. It's not. Okay. But it's so. It, but from it, not from a musical standpoint, but in terms of like career-wise, like the same way that Kendrick was the man, you could make a case to say DMX was, was the man in 98. I, I don't and, know. I think Kendrick what he means to the West coast music scene and what he means to Compton is not at all dissimilar from what Nas meant to, to Queens and to New York in, in the mid nineties. But what about what DMX meant to like the shiny suit era? <laughs> no, I'm serious. I think, it's, I think it's a completely different. I, t- I think it's just completely different. He changed the whole soundscape of what, and we said that on the show, like nobody was doing what nobody was doing. Get at me, dog. Everybody was, Agreed. you know, uh, Diddy was was uh, was shimmying in in uh in ca- Middle Eastern castles with J Lo. I'm saying, no, but whatever. It, it, I don't I don't want to stick I want to stay too far on this point. So, all right. So that that's that's my opinion anyway, right? So, oh man, I totally got lost. So, we're, so we were you wanted to figure out? Okay, so you were talking about Mac Lamar and Kendrick Lamar and how both of them are examples of artists who they had this really big sort of splash onto them onto the mainstream like scene. And yep. so, what are they going to do next? Yep. So. Last year with Kendrick, we had the Control. Was that last year or two years ago? Uh, Control was Big Sean's album, which was 2013, right? Right. So almost two years, a year and a half ago, we there was the Control verse. Yeah. Um, we actually did an entire episode, believe it or not, on the Control verse. We did. Um, <laughs> did we talk is, about you, the responses? Yeah. I probably talked about part? Button, right? Because that was the only one I cared about. Did we talk about like Mickey Fax and like... King Low since did we do did we do those? I'm pretty sure I would have stopped us from doing that. That doesn't <laughs> sound like something I would listen to. Um <laughs> it sounds so harsh right now. It is. But no, um we did a whole episode on control. You can find that at clock, clock So but after control, he basically he toured a lot yep. and we knew that he had something new coming out. He started yep. talking to the media last year. You started hearing stuff about Kendrick's recording an album. And then the first thing that we really heard off this album was I. Yeah. That's September. Of, uh, so that's like actually not even six months, uh, about six months ago, almost exactly. Right before the M- the beginning of the NBA season. Yeah. Um, we did a whole episode on I. We did. Um, and what we talked about at the time was really the divisive nature of I. Um, it was... It sounded nothing like Good Kid, Mad City, um, but it also didn't necessarily. I don't think either of us really thought that that was necessarily where he was going. I think you and I might have had different opinions about it, but we both agreed that 
this will probably make more sense in the context of the album. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. We had so much faith in Kendrick after Good Kid, Mad City that we were willing to say, let's see how this fits in the album. But is that to say that we didn't like the song? I didn't love it. If only because like of it for me, like, cause I'm a producer, I'm a nerdhead. Like I, I'm like, really that lady, like that's what we're doing. Yep. It was but I, unusual to and, me. And I, and I appreciated hearing something like that on the radio as a, as a father. Um, mm. and then, you know, I think we talked about that on the show, um, right. just something that positive and, 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 uh, affirming. So I appreciated that the song itself was like, it was one of those mood records. I remember like, hearing it on SoundCloud in my house and being like, ah, oh, that's cool. But then like, I heard it on the radio later that morning and I was like, yo, this is kind of dope. And then I heard it again later on that day on the radio again. And I was like, this is really good. I like it. But then I heard it again on SoundCloud and I was like, yeah. So it was weird. It was like a, it was a mood record, mood music. Okay. Um, so between, so I was somewhat commercially successful, but very critically successful. It won yeah. two Grammys. Yeah, yeah, but and but we both agreed that those were like sorry about Good Kid, Mad City Grammys. I, I don't know if I mean I, I know we said that at the time. I mean when I think about it, part of it is hey, I mean when I say sorry, when I say that it's a sorry about Good Kid, Mad City Grammy, what I re- what it really is, it's more of a a recognition of Kendrick is now a big enough artist that if he's got if he's got something out, he's gonna be he's always gonna have a chance at a Grammy. Yeah. Uh, I also think that, like you pointed out, the positivity, you know, you got to remember that it's not just hip hop heads who are vo- who are who are, you know, voting for who gets the Grammy. Right. There's an entire music industry um, that is voting for these. So the po- I, 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 I think the positivity, I think people people want to like Kendrick's music. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and with the critical acclaim, it's almost like if you don't like Kendrick's music, then you know, the general consensus is going to look at you like, why don't you like Kendrick's album? What's wrong with right. him? Right. You know, he does, he does everything from a technical standpoint. He does it correctly. Um, everything that we want our rappers to do, he does. Right. So, and then even from like sort of a, a content wide, you know, from a content perspective, exactly. Exactly. Which we're going to, and we're, we're all going to talk so much about this for the album. Believe me, people don't worry. Um, you know, right after a, the was a notes, fam. I'm I'm ready. <laughs> y'all know I don't. Y'all y'all know I don't do notes. That's Doc's thing. But I'm 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 in here. So after the Grammys, we heard the first. Is is this really the first single? Like aside from I, if you consider I the pre-single, like is is Blacker the Berry? Is that a single? Nah, that was just a that was that was just a leak, and not a and that was just a uh they leaked the song. I wouldn't consider that a single though. They sold it on iTunes. Oh, they did sell on iTunes. Well, then it's a single. <laughs> when I think of single, I think of like, is this going to be on the radio? That's what I think. Well, and that's a really interesting question that I want to talk about for a lot of this album. But Black of the Berry comes out and it is a very different record than I. Yes. We didn't do a whole episode on it, but we talked about it on a previous episode. And we talked about it briefly, we, though. Right. We did. We both liked it. We both liked it, but we only listened to it. I only listened to it once. I think I might have listened to it twice, tops, because... Yeah. We knew we were close to the album. Yeah. And so if you, if this is one of your first times listening to it, to Clock Radio Speakers, Armand and I, we love the album, like the concept of, a, of an album of here is not just a collection of loose songs. This isn't just a playlist. This is a sometimes it's not always as successful at this, but when it's at its best, it is a an attempt at a cohesive work of art. Yes. Right. Yes. We love it. 
we love to hear albums, right? Especially, again, I think Good Kid, Mad City proved that whether it's Kendrick or someone in his camp, when Kendrick puts an album out, there is potential for it to really be an album, Absolutely. a a package. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. So we like Black of the Berry. Yep. Um, and then maybe a week or two ago, we th- there was a leak of of King Kunta, right? Yeah, it was uh last Saturday. Right. So not even a week ago. Yeah, it was last Saturday um, it leaked. And I didn't listen to that at all before because I I knew we were close. I listened. To, I honestly I listened to it because I listened to, to the first verse because I had heard so much about the record and. To be honest, I had two shows last weekend and I listened to them because under the guise that they were going to hype me up to do the shows, they were going to give me like a creative boost Mm. to do the shows. Um, yeah, so I heard like a verse of it, but I stopped and I was, and, and prior to that, um, we mentioned on the show that we wouldn't make it out of March without a Kendrick Lamar album. Mm. And then like the next day, Kendrick announced March 23rd to Pimp a Butterfly. Then Sunday night. So Sunday night, I think 1120 Eastern, the album miraculously shows up, Spotify, iTunes, et cetera. Yeah. Um, it was almost a full, was it, it was over a week early, right? Yeah, it was, uh, it was supposed to come out on the 23rd. It came out Sunday. I don't know what day Sunday is because. Uh, the 15th. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was, uh, eight days early, eight days early. Right. Um, right. so it came out Sunday night. Now I was, I was there, I was there when it came out, but, um, <laughs> no, the clean version came out. Right. All of a sudden there's a link and I see a tweet that says, Hey, you can buy Kendrick Lamar's album right now. Um, and I grab it and I'm like, Hey, this is the clean version. And, uh, pandemonium <laughs> transpires so are we going to talk we're going to talk about all this too right yeah i you know it there was a lot of weirdness um first it's the clean version then you see that some people's pre-orders aren't being honored yep um the the explicit version was there but then they pulled the whole thing yep and then eventually and then meanwhile it's on spotify uh, it's on Google Play. It's on Amazon. But so much of the music industry runs through am- th- runs through iTunes that if it's not on iTunes for some people, it's just not out, right? Yeah. So uh, they had issues, and meanwhile, you know, dudes from TDE are tweeting about, you know, this is all messed up. I'm cleaning up language here, right? Yep. It's messed up, uh, you know. But here you go, like, and we've seen these sort of, you know, I'll call it a Beyonce style release, but we've seen these sort of there's rumors, and all of a sudden, here's an album. Yeah. Or even, hey, I'm going to drop an album two days later. Here it is. Like we've seen these sudden releases. This was the first time that there was chaos surrounding a release. Yes. Um, Initially, the speculation was that there was some sort of like it was an accident or it was some sort of it wasn't supposed to happen that way. Yeah. That's not what we found out, though. You want to break that news now? Sure. (sighs) What you want? <laughs> no, I mean, you I know, sp- it's it's an exclusive, so we can we can we can show our new audience how how serious how serious this podcast game is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> how real it is in these streets. We can we can drop this bomb. Go ahead. It's it's your exclusive. Go right ahead. I don't I don't know if it's an exclusive, but I, I ain't mean, seen it nowhere. The the story is that they knew the album was going to leak, um, so they wanted to cut it off. They wanted to get out in front of it and have it be available digital only. So real quick before I explain what happened there, the, let me point out some of the 
the reasons why that would sometimes be bad, right? A lot of us, if you buy digital music online, you don't care if it's in stores or not. But what stores like Target and Best Buy have done over the years is really go out of their way to work with artists to get, you know, deluxe editions and special, uh, you know, special versions of the albums that have a couple of songs on them, uh, you know, a couple extra bonus tracks and stuff like that as a way to get people to buy physical CDs in their stores. And Target in particular will go out of its way to punish artists who don't release in their store the same day that they release digital. Yeah. Frank Ocean was fa- Frank Ocean pushed his release up by a week was famously never carried by Target. Beyonce dropped at digital, you know, surprise in the middle of the night on iTunes and she I don't think I can't remember, I don't know if she ever got carried by Target. It didn't really matter for her. Um but Kendrick and actually really TDE in general, TDE artists have a history of doing special editions for Target. So the thought of TDE doing a surprise digital in the middle of the night release never really made sense to me. Yeah. But, you know, you know, hearing that part of the reason why is because they knew it was going to leak. Well, that's actually, that's pretty smart. Um, the chaos is actually because of prob, well, we'll call them problems that, problems that Apple is having at iTunes right now. Like ASAP Rocky um, problems. <laughs> I love bad, bad. That's my, that's my problem. Don't solve the problems. That's, when was the last time you made an ASAP Rocky reference? Uh, he's got an album. He's yeah, got an album title. I uh, actually, I uh, I read an article, and that's why, because I read an article. I meant to send it to you that uh, he said the album's done, and uh, I guess he hinted at a surprise release. Well, he he might. Well, he really just wait because Kanye's gonna be up next. So between Kendrick and Kanye, he's probably just he should sit the next couple couple weeks out. <laughs> and Wale. Who? <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, so iTunes has been going under, has been, there's a little, sometimes there's been a little bit of chaos in iTunes because they're integrating all the Beats Music stuff. Apple bought Beats Music, was it last year? Um, uh, a little, little over a year ago, yeah. Uh, I don't think it's, well, either well, it way. Was, it, was it, was, la- it was a little bit before the six drop. Oh, yeah, so not even the, a full year, but. Yeah, people thought the uh, uh, Beats speakers were going to be on the six. So they bought Beats Music uh, last year, and so they're integrating it into. So that iTunes and Beats, it's all going to be one thing. Like they, they're, they're, they're making that work. And so as a part of that, those systems being integrated, that's why it was clean only. And then they had to take it down and then put it back up. Um, it wasn't because it was, hey, we didn't, you know, this was an accident or anything like that. It was really as simple as, you know, TD and Interscope, they knew it was, apparently they had reason to believe that it was going to leak. So they decided to put it online, uh, to, be, to beat the leakers and, you know, chaos because of sometimes computer systems don't work, right? I mean, it's kind of funny to say, but like, it's really not a conspiracy. It's not an accident. It's not somebody trying to mess, you know, it's not like Interscope's trying to screw over TDE or anything like that. Like, it really was just, it was a problem with, it, with a computer system. It's yeah. that stupid. Um, yep, that's it. So, there was a whole lot of chaos, but part of that chaos led to a nice little headline for Kendrick because a lot of people were listening on Spotify. So he broke the first day Spotify stream record. Yeah. Um, and, and then he broke this and then he broke that record the next day, which is an even better sign because then word of mouth is kicking in. Now people can get it on iTunes, but for Spotify anyway, that's good news because it means, hey, people are still listening on Spotify. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we've probably covered all the stuff leading up to the actual album itself. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we start talking about the music? I'm ready to get into the music, man. I'm ready. Um, Wait a moment. Do you want to? One moment. 
Do you want to talk? Do you want to go track by track first or do you want to try to set this up? No, we got to go track by track. And I think as we go track by track, I think we have to, we'll set up as we, we kind of tell the story as we're going track by track, right? Right. So I, I just want to like give the listeners an idea of what, 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 I, what I definitely want to talk about, which is, so when we go track by track, we want to talk about the story and the message of the album. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about the sound of the album. Yeah. Really how that compares to his previous works. Yeah. Um, and what, you know, if it works, if it doesn't work, does it matter if it, if it's different, all that stuff. So kind of keep that in the back of your mind as we're going through. So I think we should just get started. So track one, yeah. Wesley's theory featuring George Clinton and Thundercat. Yeah. Uh, produced by flying Lotus and with some uh, extra production by Flippa, Soundwave, and Thundercat. Yeah. So right off the top, he's setting the tone for this. Yes. Um, when I played this song for my wife, and she heard that sample come in, you know, she, you know, she thought she's like, did they recreate that in the studio? Like, I thought she's so, so used to. She's yeah, she's so used to like you know, you listen to, you know. It's, it's funny, right? Like 10 years ago, you would have thought, okay, that must be a sample. But now artists will go out of their way to try to make something that sounds old so they can do stuff with it, you know? Yeah. So she's like, did they manipulate that in some way? And I was like, nope, that's every N-word is a star. That's right. That is a real um, song from a soundtrack of a movie of the same title. I'm not going to lie. I heard it and I was like, oh, man, I wonder what's on the soundtrack that I could sample. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you didn't just raid the soundtrack. I don't know what, you, I don't know what you're doing. Oh. Uh, I, I even know, hear no. the I even hear the chop in the uh, uh, in the sample. Yeah, yeah, I know. I went back and listened to it, and I was like, "Wow, I could really make like when I was making those pseudo three six mafia beats." <laughs> it's right there. Anyway, um, so they started off with the sample, and it's funny, right? Because like that, <laughs> those one, two, three, those five words really like that is what this album's about. Yeah. Um. And then the beat kicks in and all of a sudden the best way I could describe this beat is that, and maybe it's because George Clinton's on it, but it really sounds like something that Dre would have been working on in 95. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I mean, people were asking for, uh, and, and I'm, I'm skipping ahead, but people were asking and complaining that there wasn't enough Dre on this album. Are you kidding me? Trey's they, all over this album. He doesn't have a single production credit on this album, but he might as well. He might as well. He's all over this. And if you listen to those early Death Row records, that is Parliament Funkadelic. Right. Straight off the straight off the rip. And and they would tell you that. I mean, right. let, what was the hook for Let Me Ride? Parliament Funkadelic. So right. it's right there. Um so Wesley's theory, what does that mean? Uh it is a ode to uh Wesley Snipes. Um, and it is about how the uh, the entertainment industry exploits uh, black entertainers uh, for money and et cetera, et cetera. You hear, you know, tax man coming. They should have never gave you niggas money. Go back home, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I mean, the second verse is actually from the perspective of Uncle Sam. Yeah. It's funny, right? Because I when I hear it's called Wesley's Theory. It, it makes you want to be sympathetic in a way towards Wesley Snipes, like to sort of view him like there's a couple of moments in this album where Kendrick sort of lines up this pantheon of of famous black f- figures, whether they're 
politi- whether they're sort of political figures or entertainers or athletes, he sort of lines them up and to illustrate sort of how they are attacked or how they are taken down. And to put Wesley Snipes in that category, like, the man just didn't do his taxes. Like, it's not that complicated. That's my only issue with this song. Otherwise, I love this song. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and, the so- and the song itself, like, lays out the entire album. Yeah. How do you feel about the song? I remember in 1993 when my father bought Doggy Style, Snoop mm. Dogg's first album. And uh, we didn't have, you know, albums came out on Tuesday, but, like, you know, being a, a nine-year-old, ten-year-old, we had to wait until the weekend because that's when you know we did all of our shopping or whatever. So right. I lived in Hawaii at the time, and we went to Tower Records. And um, I remember my dad had just gotten like this six-disc changer, uh, this big like Magnavox entertainment center with these big speakers, and like you know we could really listen to music. My dad was a music head. And um, this was the first pressing of Doggy Style, which had G's Up, Hoes Down that, you know, had the Isaac Hayes sample that wasn't cleared. You can hear that on the uh, Death Row retrospective that we did a long time ago on ClockRadioSpeakers.com. I remember hearing the G-Funk intro and I remember being blown away and asking my dad what this was and him grinning from ear to ear because he had been waiting on the moment where his son would ask him about the music that encapsulated his life. And Mm. from there, I was introduced to Parliament Funkadelic and George Clinton and Bootsy Collins and just funk music, period. Brothers Johnson, et cetera, et cetera. When I heard this record, I was that nine-year-old kid all over. Mm. Um, This intro, right off the rip, it's one of my favorite songs on the album. Depending on my mood, it's my favorite song on the album. Mm. Um, Also, it's one of the best intros I've heard for a very long time thematically and musically it's it's just incredible it's incredible i love this record a lot a whole lot the mixing and mastering on this is just insane right it i I should i mean we really should point out like my my opinion about this album has sort of has evolved over the week and initially i was listening to it on headphones which can be good and if you have really good headphones it's actually really particularly nice but there are some of these songs you really need to play on loudspeakers that frankly you can hear bass on. Yeah. Right? Wesley's theory is one of them. Yes. If you're not hearing the if you're listening on like iPhone, like headphones, like that's not cutting it. At all. <laughs> um and if it's not really nice weather outside right now, but I imagine if you have a decent system in your car, the song's also gonna sound good. Yeah. Um so Wesley's theory is really really good. Really, really good. Yes. Alright. Track two is uh for free the uh, an interlude yeah. and there's two interludes on this album, but they're not skits necessarily. Yes. Um, so for free is uh, produced by Terrace Martin. Um, it is one of the more interesting hip hop songs I can remember in some time. Yeah. Um, it's a jazz record. Yes, it is. But um, I'm not deterred or not deterred, but I'm not, um, I'm not intimidated by that. Right. Because so, Kendrick has a history with jazz music. Mm, talk about that. Well, I mean, for one, Absol's intro or Absol's outro on Section 80. Um, even, a, even a record like Rigor Mortis. Those are jazz horns. Um, I'm sure there's some records on... You could even consider uh, the uh, the intro to... To uh to OD where he or it's, yeah to OD where he's rapping over the roots intro you could consider that a jazz record to a degree it has elements of jazz I just it's just not surprising not only 
is Kendrick familiar with with jazz? I think TDE, especially Ab Soul, also, um, and also Kendrick doing poetry. So this record doesn't this doesn't throw me off. Like, oh, what is this? Like, I'm like, okay, this because I like all of those records that I named a lot. Especially Absol's outro. That's one of my favorite Kendrick Lamar records. Period. For a uh, for a listener whose introduction to Kendrick Lamar was Good Kid, Mad City, this record will be jarring. Um, and I'm not saying it's good or bad. I think it's an interesting thing to think about. Um, the beat itself it sort of opens with this. I guess what I would describe as like a triumphant note. Right. It sounds like there's going to be this big sort of swell of music, and then you get this jazz beat kick in that kicks in and. Uh, two women are talking and I would describe them as they're supposed to be what stereotypical hood rats. I mean, is that basically the idea? And they're talking about what they expect out of a successful black man. Right. Except of course the flip is that these women are supposed to represent America. Right. So this is like what America expects out of the black man. Yeah. And this song is frenetic. Yeah. It's like I said, it's going to be intimidating for people because this is actually this song and there are there are lots of moments in this album where if you're a nerd like me and when you're listening like when we research this podcast like I'm sitting there like I'm I want to make sure I'm like looking at this stuff up on Rap Genius so I can you know make sure I catch every little bit and see the references and do more research if you're not really like tr- closely listening to the lyrics on for free it's just going to fly right past you yeah that being said how do you feel about this song I love this record mm. I love this record I love the fact that first off I, I saw a tweet that accurately captured this album and uh and Good Kid Mad City. And I think this song sets that tone. This song sets that precedence. They said that uh Good Kid Mad City was a John Singleton movie and to pimp a butterfly as a Spike Lee joint. And I wholeheartedly believe that. This reminds me of the Spike Lee Dolly Shot by mm. far. Um and the the thing that I love about Kendrick's approach to this record is that he has a uh, a, he has sort of like a pimp twang to his delivery, even though it's spoken word in nature. He has this sort of like seventies black exploitation, uh, pimp vibe too that we'll see later. But it's basically him telling the industry what he's not going to do, that you're not going to pimp me in the way that you've pimped everybody who's come before me. Right. I, I love this record. And, right. And so just to like make sure people are following along with the story of the album, right? So the first record, you know, you have first Kendrick fantasizing, like he's sort of detailing like what he would do when he gets rich and famous. And the set, and then the second half of that first track is what the, what Uncle Sam, what the pimp, what, 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 what his perspective is, right? And then now here he is talking on For Free about, you know, how he is unwilling, right? How he, does, how he, how he, he's just not going to be pimped by the record industry. Yep. Um, I like this record. I've grown to really like it. Mm. Um, the jazz threw me off. Like I'm not a big jazz guy, mm. just not. Um, but the purpose that like, this is a record that I'm not going to just pull out and press on random. You know, I'm not just going to like, sh- I'm not, if it like, comes up, you know, if I'm just like, Oh, let me st- I'm not going to start the album by like, Oh, you know what? Let me just jump right to for free. Like, but when you, the sequencing of this album, everybody who has sequencing on their clock, radio speakers, bingo board, go ahead and knock it down. Um, the sequencing on this album, like the way that the story is told, this track is essential. Absolutely. And I've grown and I've grown to really like it. It was to me, this was a slow grower. Mm. Um, I, I wonder how I, I will say, I, I think I said it before. I'll say it again before we move on to the next to the next song. I do wonder how like the average like fan when they get to this track, the person who bought Good Kid Mad City because 
you know, because they, you know, they like singing along to like a record they saw on the radio that they heard on the radio or saw on, they, on they, YouTube they, or whatever. They mosh to Mad City at a at a festival. Right. They're gonna get to this track and they're gonna be not everybody. Some of them are gonna be like, uh huh. But that's okay. Like I, when we get to the end of this album, I hope you have enough time to talk about this. Like I, I feel like Kendrick has made some very definitive choices, and I'll just. I'll like I'll jump I'll I'll jump a little bit but like I don't think he cares like he is he is making this album sound a particular way and that's the way he wants it this is not an accident he didn't stumble like he didn't get like this he didn't get this this like music from Terrace Martin and whoever else helped on this and just said oh yeah I'm gonna do a jazz record now like this is very very particular yeah I actually but I I know that did happen with uh I believe that happened with Wesley's theory um, where he did get a collection of, of music from Flalo, and apparently the the rumor has is that he recorded to air all of it. Yeah, and he's just like, but he's not gonna put it out. So, but I say all that to say, even in the music that was presented to him, um, it was a, it was something that Kendrick didn't fit into, like how most rappers do. Will ask a producer, hey, send me a batch of beats. The producer will give them beats. And then we'll try to fit, you know, our vision into, you know, the producer's music and it, it fits. We've, we, you know, we stretch it a little bit. It grows. This was like intentional. I need beats that sound like this. I want beats that feel like this. Kendrick was very hands on and this is evident already two tracks into this project. You want to talk about track three, King Kunta? Yeah. Um, the much hyped and we say much hype because, Man, was we, it? It was. We some, heard about this record like in the like shoot before I came out, or at least right around the same time. Uh, Kendrick was playing what he was working on for. Was it like Rosenberg? It was one of these like New York DJs. It was and Rosenberg. People were, yeah, and they were talking about this record like it was the second coming of "I Really Mean It." <laughs> <laughs> At the church, the Church of Dipset. <laughs> Yeah, they yeah. There was a lot of hype with this record. There was a lot of comparisons to Control. Maybe not a lot, but I heard a comparison to Control. Um, so I'm instantly. This is why people like you have to be really careful with hype because hype will cause you to um, it'll skew your your view and and listening experience with a song. And you could hate a song for the sheer reason of it not sounding like what your imagination had it sound like. so <laughs> I, was, I caught you did i catch you at mid, mid swig my bad son no it's all good uh so king kunta produced by Soundwave, additional additional production by terrace martin um when you first heard it what, what did you think exactly what i just explained <laughs> exactly what i just explained okay. i was like oh this isn't because i'm thinking control right, i'm right, thinking right, right. king kunta right, right. so those two names i'm thinking of a very strong forceful you know i'm sticking my flag in the sand this is what it is i am i am the rapper who came out with the control verse and none of you rappers had the gall to respond which in turn makes me king and the song kind of says that Mm -hmm. but you know it just it just wasn't in the manner that i expected it to be i didn't expect it's funky like a, I, I was but i didn't i did not expect a funk record at all at all um and know. honestly up until today that was throwing me off and i wasn't the biggest fan of this record until today really yeah this is a record so i've really grown to like this record um again the 
It's funny I'm going to say this because when we talk, you know, we get to the outro, we'll really talk about the ghost of somebody. The ghost of Dr. Dre, even though he's still alive, is all over this song. I, I'll do you one better and say this is the ghost of DJ Quick. No. Yes. Um, yes. I know. No, 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 no. We're not going to do the whole, I know you're a fan of DJ Quick because I am. This is a, this is way more DJ Quick than Dr. Dre. If this not was Dr. Dr. Yes, it is. No, let me tell you Wholeheartedly why. Wholeheartedly it is. All right. Actually, you know what? You tell me why you think it's a quick record. Because Dre samples funk records and quick creates funk records. And there's a difference. I'm not talking. I will acknowledge like the like I'm not talking. I'm actually not even talking about the baseline or the foundation of the beat. There are so many different elements that come in different instruments, different melodies. Like it is right out of the Dre handbook where think of like half the records on 2001. Where they like start and it's a re- it's like a baseline and drums and not much else and then stuff just starts floating in and the whole record evolves and changes the structure of this record screams Dr. Dre to me. Yeah, quick does that too. <laughs> it does. All right, it does. Um, so do you like this song? Today was the first day that I liked this song, and I'll tell you why I like this song because that's crazy. I- it was because um, I had a conversation with my DJ and I was okay. actually like I had it on the turntables because I was I'm kind of learning how to scratch and mix or whatever, just just for the fun of it. And um, I felt it. I felt it when I was when it was on the turntables. Um, but yeah, like this I, up until then, like, nah, like I'm not it wasn't whack. It's just I was just now the lyrical content, especially the third verse, the third verse is insane i love the third verse um but yeah like i especially i think maybe wesley's theory threw me off too because that is another funk record and that is just so amazing to me to hear another funk record that's not as good as wesley's theory musically i'm like eh. it it kind of threw me off so i'm still warming up to this record i'm i've listened to this album probably a good 15 times 15 to 20 times (laughs) and i i'm still catching stuff i'm still very early in the listening experience so um the the outro to this is so good yeah the outro to this is crazy so good um, I'll, I'll tell you another thing that this record does for me. Two things, actually. Okay. One, um, it's it reveals. Actually, I'll I'll, I'll save that point for last. Uh, this first point, this lets me know that musically he does not care to make an album as good as Reasonable Doubt or Illmatic. Or, I'm sorry, say that. Again? I said this. This lets me know that he's not looking to make an album as good as Reasonable Doubt or Illmatic, or as or, good as good. He's aiming for a uh, thriller what's going on like he is leaping over hip-hop he is going into music as a whole not to say that illmatic and reasonable doubt aren't classic music albums you kind of are nah what i'm saying is you're not gonna put illmatic and reasonable doubt up against thriller and what's going on yes i am no well then you're insane (laughs) no i'm not one no look i i love hip-hop music like I'm sorry. I'm completely unapologetic about it. Like, I don't think of hip hop music as this like subset of music. That's like, well, you know, I wish we had no, like, yeah. Like I want to listen, like thrill is a classic, but I'd rather listen to Illmatic. Okay. Frankly, like (laughs) I, 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 when you hear people talk about classic albums who aren't necessarily hip hop aficionados, like they will bring up albums that aren't hip hop more than hip hop fans. You know what I'm saying? Totally. No, totally. And those fans are coming out of the woodwork on this album. They are. Because, you know, it's this fetishization of 
when rappers use live instrumentation and when they really incorporate what are traditionally considered the other forms of African-American music, specifically funk and jazz. Anytime a rapper does that, there's this whole contingent of people who get all excited and they spawn a million think pieces. Death to think pieces, please. Death to think pieces. And it's like, you know what? That doesn't make it better. Like, it's really funny to me. Like, it's almost like, and I'm not accusing you of this. I just had to get this off my chest. Like, there's this whole contingent of people who it's like, they think that like, what, hip hop's still a fad or like, I, I don't get it. It's like, look, hip hop's had a longer run in the popular mindset than funk ever did. Hip hop has been the predominant form of, call it urban music expression, but frankly, of African-American music expression for 30 years now. But people still go like, oh, this song has jazz influences. Oh, there is it, live instrumentation. Just get over it. It doesn't mean it's bad or good. It's just a different way. I I think that my problem is with that is when people um, sort of um, distance themselves from people who are fans of regular hip-hop music or even, quote-unquote, ignorant hip-hop music. So they'll say, oh, well, you know, People who you don't like this Kendrick Lamar album because you listen to Future like that's ignorant. <laughs> I, I hate I hate that mentality, too, because we are all very intricate people who feel different things at different times. And sometimes we want to be intellectual. Sometimes we want to be ignorant. Um, sometimes we want to keep it. Sometimes we want to respect women. Sometimes we don't. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just the the dynamic all of people. Choice got nuts. mounds don't exactly (laughs) and that's just who we are as a people so i i agree with what you're saying and i totally get that that some of those people who kind of stick their nose up in the air um, right that's a better way i was getting my hours a little bit but like there's a lot of people sticking their nose in the air about this album i agree like oh kendrick's kendrick's talking positivity and he's got musicians so it's better (laughs) shut up if it's better it's better and it's better on the merits right Right, 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 right. Uh, my other point that I wanted to make is I wanted to talk about this being a follow-up to the control verse. Mm. Um, and this reminded me of um, when Nelly played Rock and Jock. Oh, this will be good. And <laughs> I say that because Nelly, Nelly is known for being a rapper, right? But mm-hmm. it just so happens that he's athletic. We know the story about him. Uh, you know, I think he was minor league baseball. Um, so although Nelly's primary profession was, you know, rap, music, artistry whatever you want to call what nelly did he shows up on a football field and he completely destroys everybody on that episode of rock and jock i think that was the last good rock and jock too um kendrick as all rappers are is a rapidy rapper at heart so he cares about lyricism punchlines metaphors similes you know entendres he cares about that stuff um what he was doing and not to say he only did it on control because you know you and i talked about what he did on the don't kill my vibe remix um, I preferred his verse on the BET cipher to the control remix. We both talked about how the control remix, other than him calling uh, the names out, was very all right. Um, this lets me know that this was him like driving by on his way to work, like with a suit on. And then he sees the kids playing a pickup game and he gets out the car and he's like, all right, well, let me let me run a game with y'all real quick. He murders everybody on the on the court and he gets back in his car and he goes to work. Like, this just lets me know that, like, he took the title just to say that he could, and then he pulled a, a Medusa on Nitro and threw it in the trash. Because it just wasn't... This This just lets me know that he is not concerned about being the greatest rapper alive. And this album solidifies it. We spent all this time on control, and the message and um 
and uh and and mission statement of Kendrick Lamar far supersedes that. Mm. To me, the other noteworthy thing to say about this song is this is we we start to there's a theme of this album about um the corrupting influence of power of money of success and we you know we, we every, like all this so if if you're not someone who's like me who is like reading through the lyrics in this album on rap genius like actually it's funny I was playing this when we were doing dishes tonight and uh and my wife is like did he say yams <laughs> and so I kind of broke that like, <laughs> and look Look, I say that first of all because I love my wife, and and by the way, my wife would be the greatest A and R ever. Like when I when I ran, when I say A and R, I mean like almost like a record label should hire her because we're like running through this, and she's like she's just firing off like she is ruthless when it comes to this. Like rappers, y'all should hire my wife. Anyway, um, she's like, did he say yams? And so you know, I kind of had to break it down. Like so, and I'll thank the good folks at Rap Genius for this. Um, so yams is. Uh, you know, in, ver- in the first verse when he's talking about like you can smell it walking down the street, it's an allusion to Ralph Ellison's The Invisible Man, right? Where a uh, dude is walking down the street in New York City, he smells yams, which triggers memories of like living in the South. And in some parts of Africa, yams are a sign of social status. So when he's talking about yams, like he really says like the yam is the power that be. So he's introducing this concept of like, you know, the yam, like the yam brought it, brought it out of Richard Pyre, prior you know manipulated bill clinton like all this like so he's talking about like just to sort of progress the story along you know he's in the first two verses he's he's talking about sort of again what this corrupting influence can do and we're going to hear more about this corrupting influence later on um anything else you want to say about king kunta nah let's get into uh institutionalized we talked a lot about that song. My we did. Goodness. All right. Is it is an important record so like how yeah. the, the the quality of the song um while important you know, what it represents to this album was was a, a greater discussion. Right. And it's interesting because the first two verses on, on King Kunta, he's talking about the corrupting influence of power. But then the last verse is all vanity. Like he he is succumbing to that power. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Right after he said this ain't free and what right. you not going to do. He, he immediately begins the descent. Right. And then so now, he you know, we, we get right to institutionalized uh, featuring Anawise, Bilal and Snoop Dogg. Uh, produced by Rocky, I think it's Rocky, and Tommy Black. Um, when I first saw this in the track list, my first thought was, wait, Snoop gets a verse, but nobody from TDE gets a verse. Yeah. I remember you but this is, a great, this is a great Snoop appearance. Absolutely. I was totally wrong. Totally wrong. Yes. Um, the first beat that you hear with the intro, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but it completely sets the stage for the song. I was kind of mad at the beat switch at first. Although the beat, although what it switches into is crazy too. Like the the first the first part of the song is dope. To me. No, I like I was kind of like, oh, what's going on here? And then the beat switch happens, and I'm like, it almost makes the beat switch that much better mm. to me. Mm. Um, so how do you feel about institutionalized? I love this record a lot. I love the concept. I love the concept. You know, you can't you can take your boy out the hood, but you can't take the hood out your homie like that. That completely. Uh, wraps this up. I love what Snoop represents on this album. Snoop, or on, on this song, I'm sorry. Snoop is success. Snoop is the BET Awards. He is the Rolexes that that uh, that Kendrick talks about. I love I love that little small tidbit. Um, and then you know Kendrick coming from Compton looked up to Snoop for what Snoop did for the West Coast. Like I, I love that little small tidbit. I love the beat. I love the song. I love the concept. You know that's that's real. Like trying to take your friends. 
uh, you, you've kind of grown in a, in a, in a sense. And, you know, you're trying to take your friends with you to this level of success that you achieved and they are acting just like they, you know, you guys were, you know, when y'all were in the hood together or when y'all were in dire straits together. Like, I, I love that concept. That's dope. What about you? It's, it's a good record. It's a really good record. It's not, I don't, yeah, it's really good. I guess that's what I would say. It's really funny to try to separate out individual songs here. Yeah, um, it is, right? It is, right? It really plays like one long thing. Yep. Even more so, arguably, than Good Kid, Mad City. Because um, even with Good Kid, Mad City, although the songs had um, the story in them, you could listen to the skits and get a feel for the concept. Right. Well, that's... An, I mean, when we we could sort of start talking about that at any point, but Good Kid, Mad City had a concept and it had and it was executed really well, but it was... It didn't take... It wasn't hard to pick up on the concept. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the comparison, like it, it being a John Singleton movie is exactly right. And that's part of why it works so well. It was a, I don't want to say a familiar story, but it was a story that people could easily pick up on Absolutely. that people were comfortable with. Yep. Yes. Right. Yep. Um, especially like, I'll just be honest, like there's a racial component to this. There's like the way that there's a certain contingent of, of white people who, um, I'm not saying all white people, obviously, but there are definitely a certain contingent of white people. And we all went to high school with some of these guys who listen to hip hop because it's this kind of like, it's a vacation. It's like this escape. It's like a vacation of sorts. They get to sort of be a tourist and sort of fantasize about what it would be like, you know, and in this kid, in good kid, mad city to be in the John Singleton movie. Right. It's yeah. why the chronic works. Yeah. Right. Um, it's why, it's why the entire image of death row worked. Right. Yeah. It's why, Conversely, it's why ready. To, it's why ready to die in life after death work. Yep, agree. Right, and so Good Kid, Mad City, that slides right into that. Yeah, it was done differently, and in fact, there's a layer beneath it where you know if you get to the sing about me dying of thirst combo and you get that gut punch of what is actually going on. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you get that, but you don't have to get that to enjoy that album. Right, right. This album, I'm so deep into it right now. I kind of need to like I, I get I need to talk to more people who are have sort of casually listened to it because oh, my my fear take to, to, to chill my fear is that it's chill. really really going to be hard for people it is I've had maybe I'm I've wrong. had I've had conversations with casual listeners and I've I've actually gotten a little frustrated with them like I'm not even going front these are casual, people whose whose musical opinion I respect to the high heavens and like it's just not there but you know for for those you kind of I guess like, shoot, do you have to give them the breakdown and can you casually listen to this album and enjoy it? Actually, I take that back because I did. <laughs> the first like five or six times I listened to it, I wasn't really listening for the concept. I was listening for beats mm. and rhymes and sequencing and the things that, that I enjoy. But I'm like a rap nerd. So, you know, my level of my foundational level of enjoyment is a little deeper than your casual hip hop fan. So I guess I pose that question. Use the hashtag CRS live. Can you casually listen to this album? Can you casually enjoy it? I want, I want to know what y'all think. You know, and we, I want to get back to the track by track, but you know, what's funny is that this album and my wife actually kind of pointed this out to me. Um, this album completely fails the standard. Like if you ever go to any music industry showcase thing, beat battle, like any sort of thing where you're playing a song, you can tell that there is no interference from any stereotypical like nosy A&Rs in this album because it completely fails the have you captured my attention in the first 15 seconds for some of these tracks. Yeah. You have to get into them. Yeah. Not, 
part of it is you hear it and you understand what's going on. Part of it is a lot of these songs have like second parts that the the way that he's weaving the poem in at the end or the beginning of some of these songs is totally important. It it's and music is interesting that way, right? Yeah. When you watch a movie in a movie theater, you just sit there and watch it all the way through. Yeah. When you watch it at home, if you have it on DVD or iTunes or whatever, you can skip around, but most people don't. They sit and they start a movie and they watch a movie from start to finish. Music is different. Yeah. People routinely will skip around or go to their favorite thing. And Kendrick is trying to make music that you are supposed to play like a movie. We hope you enjoyed Side A of this week's episode. Please check out Side B at clockradiospeakers.com.